Thank you, Lord. The Lord's good, isn't he? Yeah, amen. Everybody's good? Lord, help, right? <laughs> All righty. I'm not going to, you know, I've been preaching up through the life of Elijah, which is really taking me a lot longer than I had anticipated, but that's okay. Yeah, right? Because he did a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's all good, I'm telling you. So last week, you know, I talked some about, you know, when Elijah called the fire down from heaven, and, you know, then they wound up killing these prophets of Baal once the fire was brought down. I want to, I didn't say this last week, but I want to point out to you, that was uh, how they did things in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, when we call fire down from heaven, we don't kill people just because they're worshiping Baal. That's not how the, it, we, get, we call the fire down to save them, right? That's the heart of the Lord. So that was the way God did it in that time, but now he's doing it different. Uh, that was all just a picture, a shadow, an incomplete picture. So when, when we talk about, you know, the disciples said that to Jesus one day. They, uh, you know, somebody did, uh, offended, offended Jesus, and they were saying, should we call fire down? Uh, thinking about how Elijah called fire down, Jesus said, "Y'all don't know this ain't this ain't the way this works. Uh, that's not the same spirit at work now." So I really want to encourage you. You know, when we think about bringing fire down, it's not for destruction; it's for salvation. It's for it's for healing. It's for the for the it's for the tongues of fire from heaven. It's for the empowerment of God. Amen. Amen. So so they did all that. You know, it was a big victory, obviously, uh, for for them. And then I'm going to pick up the story in verse 41. Uh, then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. The sound of abundance of rain. Remember, they had been in a drought for three and a half years. And so that was that was good news, And but it hadn't rained yet. And then I love verse 42. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. That's what he did. Because they had been all day. It was like an all-day fast they were on. Um, he went up to eat and drink. But it says, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. And then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. So there was a party going on. And then uh, Elijah went and, and prayed. And said to his servant, uh, go up now and look towards the sea. So he went up and looked and said, this, there's nothing. And so seven times he said, go again. I can just imagine about the fourth time that servant was probably like, dude, this is not working. You know what I'm saying? You know, sometimes you feel like your prayers are not working. And you just... Sometimes God tells us, pray one time and you're done. But many times, there's a persistence in prayer that God wants us to be persisted in, where there's no sign of an answer. And that's what Elijah was feeling there. He knew that God was going to do something. He knew there was going to be rain. And so, uh, it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, this is a servant, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. That's powerful. That was just a little thing. Uh, you know, another thing I think it's important to point out is when you're praying, sometimes we need to look for signs of the answer, just like what they were doing there. Sometimes you need to pay attention. You know, when you're praying, you're not just closing your eyes and disconnecting. You need to be paying attention to your prayers. If you're praying for the government... Pay attention to what's happening with the government. If you're paying, praying for our nation, pay attention to what's happening. And look for the little things, the little signs. Just like what Elijah was doing. Elijah didn't need a big thing. He didn't need suddenly the it thunders and this lightning and there's dark clay. All he needed is a little thing to see that God was moving. You know, and that's what we've got to do. That's where your faith really comes into play. And... uh it says, then he said, there's a cloud. And so Elijah said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. All he had was a little hand cloud. 
but he was saying, go do it. It's, it's on the way. And now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. It hadn't rained in three and a half years. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord, this is like crazy, the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Outrun him, outrun horses, which horses can run fast, right? You know, I don't know how fast, but faster than you and I, you know. So it was an amazing miracle. So I want to really talk to you a little bit about prayer um, because this this is a, you know, this is what this is about. This is about him praying. And uh, I think it's really, prayer is something that's really on the Lord's heart right now. Uh, at least it is in my house. Becky and I have been having an ongoing conversation about prayer. And mainly around the, about disappointment in prayer. About how we have seen prayers not answered. And I don't think I could, probably I, well, the question would be to ask, who hasn't been disappointed? I don't think anybody who prays has not experienced disappointment in prayer, who've not seen prayers answered. If you haven't and you are truly a praying person, <laughs> we should have a conversation. <laughs> but I believe God wants to uh, encourage us in the realm of prayer. Because regardless of your experience, the Bible declares that God is a God who answers prayer. Okay, and so we have to decide about, you know, if we're going to let our disappointments govern our prayer life or we're going to let the Word of God, the heart of God, govern our prayer life. Amen? You know, one of the uh, things, if if you're going to have, if you're going to have a life of meaning, if you're going to see purpose in your life, if you're going to see the things that you hunger for in your life come to pass, Prayer is going to be essential to that. You're not going to see your dreams come true apart from prayer. God has created it such that He, he calls the people to be praying people and He urges us to enter into a relationship with Him and a relationship with Him in prayer. I mean, even Jesus prayed. And so there's, there's this whole biblical story of prayer that God really wants to put into our hearts let it burn in our hearts. One of the things that I think I may have mentioned that I've suffered with for a long time is this whole issue of this mixture that we have in our life of weakness and strength. Because there is, if, you're a, if you're a follower of Christ, you have to battle the, the mixture. And here's what the mixture is. One of them is John 15 verse 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And God at times in your life will make that so real to you. That is scary. He'll make it so real to you that everything you, you do that you believe God's called you to do is you're doing it with fear and trembling. Because you know, you know that, this is, that, that you're, you're in desperate need of God. You know you can't accomplish what God's put in your heart because apart from Him you can do nothing. But on the other hand, there's this other part to it called uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so what I've seen in my own life with, 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 the, with those two battles that I have is, the, is like that's where prayer brings those two scriptures together. It, it brings the mixture that you are very acutely aware of your need of God because you can't do anything without Him, but also you become very acutely aware of God's power that's available to us in Christ and that God invites us to really not only experience being weak as human beings and being without strength to do anything, but he also invites us as human beings to step into his power and to be able to do things supernaturally and be able to do things that we can't do apart from, apart from God's intervention. And God invites us into that place, and he invites us to walk in both of those places. He really does. He invites us to walk in both of those places and embrace him in weakness and embrace him in strength. Are y'all following that? It's really important. Well, let me read James five seventeen through 18. This is about Elijah. This is amazing. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Well, if you think about 
you know, uh, first thought, anyway, uh, James could have used a lot of people um, as an example of prayer. Like Daniel, for instance. I mean, everybody knows Daniel was one of the most godly men ever. And, you know, one of the things that the Scriptures point out about Daniel is Daniel was a praying man. You know, he even got in trouble because of his prayers. You know, because he wasn't afraid to pray when at his specified times of the day, what that culture did, the Jewish culture at that time did. He, and so he was a very praying man. It's kind of shocking uh, at first that you think that James, but then when you begin to think about, if you begin to think about Elijah, Elijah's life is really marked by prayer. If you really think about it, he had some of the most amazing prayers. Obviously, James points out two of them. Is he prayed it wouldn't rain and it didn't. Then he prayed it would rain three and a half years later and it did. In the meantime, he prayed for a boy to be raised from the dead and nobody had ever done that before. That's pretty amazing. The guy had amazing prayer. So when we talk about the spirit and power of Elijah... If you really are interested in walking in that anointing, really what you're, you're, you're interested in is, is, is an anointing of prayer. Because when I think about Elijah now, I think a little bit different. I think of a man who stood up on Mount Carmel and prayed for the fire of God to come down. I, I think of a man who prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't. I think of a man who prayed that it would rain, and it would. I think of a man who prayed for a child to be raised from the dead, and he was. And so there's this anointing that he carried for prayer. And this is what's amazing about it. Uh, James says he has a like nature, like us. He was a man like us. And when we think about Elijah, he, he's remarkable. He was a remarkable person and did remarkable things. Maybe we're not going to rem- do those remarkable things like he did. I mean, he, obviously he has a special place in the redemptive history of God. Nobody's going to take his spot. You know, he shows up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus hundreds and hundreds of years after he went to heaven. He never died. I mean, you know, I mean, dude, he's one of the two people in the Bible who hasn't died yet. I think he will. I think he's going to come back and they're going to kill him in Jerusalem. Him and Enoch, they're the two witnesses. That's just my opinion. But they get their chance to die like we did because those are the only two people in the Scripture who went to heaven and didn't die. Isn't that amazing? But here's really the thing. What James was saying is that we can have a prayer life like Elijah. That's what he was saying. Now, he, that was an invitation. That was a potential that he was putting out there. That, that should be... That's a thought, isn't it? That James was saying, you have the potential to be able to pray like Elijah. You have the potential to affect things like Elijah did. That's what he was trying to tell us. It was like this invitation that God was given in the New Testament to his people to really say, hey, Elijah, he may have been unique, but his prayer life is, should not be unique. The people of God should carry an authority and power in prayer like Elijah did. So... I think that's pretty good. All right, so I got a couple of things here I wanted to share about his prayers. Actually, a few things, but this that's really has really been helpful for me to think about. Uh, so here's the first one about that sticks out to me is Elijah. The way Elijah prayed is Elijah did not pray from the earth. Okay, he didn't pray from here. He prayed from from the spiritual realm. Okay, now that, there's a big difference from praying from here and praying from the spiritual realm because it says he went up on the top of Mount Carmel. See, that was just a picture. That was symbolic of something uh, because it was trying to tell us that Elijah was escaping what was going on around him at that moment. Okay, and what was going on around him that moment was a big celebration. Because they had just won something. They had just had a great victory. And Elijah could have become the, you know, the, he could have become an instant celebrity with the people for what he just did. He could have, and, and there was a, a lot of noise, there was a lot of activity. But what did he do? He left all of that and got away from all of that was happening to get to something that he knew that was important. 
Okay? He could have, you know, he could have been like a sports star at that moment. That's one, one way of looking at it. If he had wanted to, but, but he chose not to. And you think about Jesus, Jesus would often do that, right? Jesus would often get away from what was happening around him and not let what was happening here affect. So that's why he would slip away and slip up on the mountain. And, you know, I've said this before. Go through the New Testament. Every time Jesus went up on a mountain, something big happens in the New Testament. Every time. Go through, go through and read the Gospels, and every time that Jesus went up on a mountain, see what he did. Something major. Like the Mount of Transfiguration, for instance. That was like the huge major, major. He appointed his apostles at another time from going up on a mountain. He preached the sermon on the mount, his greatest sermon he ever preached, when he went up on a mountain. So it speaks of revelation. That's what it speaks of. It speaks of getting disconnected from this realm and getting connected into the spiritual realm. That's what going up on on a mountain speaks of. Now, I wanted to read uh, Matthew 6, 5 through 8. This is speaking of the Sermon on the Mount. Are y'all following this? This is what Jesus said about prayer. See, I think God wants to encourage us about prayer. You know, I really do. I think he wants to encourage us about prayer. Well, he wants to encourage me. Okay? Maybe he doesn't you. But I need some encouragement about prayer. Let me tell you something. I've gone through some suffering in my life about prayer. And I think I told you I went through this period of time where, honestly, did I tell you about my prayer life for the last few years, what it was like? Did I ever tell you all about that? I told some people about it. Literally, and this is conservative, 70% of my praying was praying in tongues. That is good, but here's, what the, here's the downside of it. It's because I was exhausted in my heart about prayers because I had such broken hardness over things that didn't work in my life. And I just was at a place, I don't even know what to pray because it ain't going to happen anyway. So I thought, well, I'm going to pray in tongues. Now, you know, listen, praying in tongues is awesome. And I built me quite a well of praying in tongues, quite a well. Okay? And I love the praying tongues, and I pray in tongues a lot now, but I've gotten back into a time where I'm having a prayer, a prayer with my mind, prayer with my English a lot more. And, and it's because of just breakthroughs that God has brought in my own, own personal life. Okay? So I've, I've had this struggle, you know, about prayer. And, and so, but I'm thankful for the well I have now. Uh, you know, I used to hear about people praying in tongues for an hour. I thought, oh, my gosh, how in the world can anybody can pray in tongues for ten minutes? You know? <laughs> like an hour? Who's going to do that? Well, you know, when you don't have anything to say, you know, but you really... Feel this thing in you about the Lord, and you want to be close to the Lord, and you love the Lord, and you're, you're not quitting on God, you'll figure out how to pray in tongues for an hour, or two hours, or three hours. And then it'll get where you have this thing, where you can do it, because you can pull, you can pull something up out of yourself. It's very, very helpful, actually. Um, and this, but this is what Jesus said. And when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. I don't think we have that problem, but just in case you do, it's not a good problem to have. I surely I say to Jim, they have their reward. Dude, that's an empty reward that people think you're a good prayer. You know? <laughs> and that's all you're getting out of your prayers. But listen, but when you pray, listen, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in the secret will reward you openly. So notice what it says. When you pray, number one, like Jesus expects us to pray, when you pray. He also said that about fasting, unfortunately. I was hoping he'd like, when the Spirit of God speaks to you about fasting, <laughs> no, it says, when you fast. <laughs> like, oh, why was that in there? Like, I'm assuming you're going to do these things. <laughs> so let's take his assumptions and suggestions and do them. Um, go into your room and shut the door. So that's what I was talking about, commotion. Shut the door. You've got to, you've got to shut out the things of this world. Okay, I'm just going to be truthful with you. You can't cons- be consumed by what's going on in America 
and think that you can pray from there. You're not tapping into God's prayer when you're being watching the news or you're on social media and all that's eating at you and disturbing you and making you feel bad and then you think you're going to pray. That's what he said. No, you've got to shut all that out. You had to shut all that out so you can get the mind of the Lord. Uh, see, Elijah didn't pray based on what was happening. He went and prayed based on what God wanted to do. Okay? And that's really the answer for your prayers is finding what God wants to do, not what the heck everybody else is doing. Because you could be messing up praying over something and, and you're praying over the fruit of something, not the root of something. You can look at all these riots and all these things that are going on in America and pray just about that, and you're just praying about a little teeny fruit, and there's layers of stuff under it that really need to be attacked and broken to stop, you know, what's happening. This is spiritual things. And we can't know those things if we're all stuck up in this world getting all our information from this realm. And that applies to any area of your life when you see things, you see your kids going bad. And that's hard on parents, believe me, because I've suffered that. And you're so disturbed that you can't really pray the mind of Christ because you're praying what you're seeing instead of praying what he's seeing. So that's really what Elijah was doing. He was shutting the door when he went up on that. He'd get away. And that's what we had to do. We had to create a space for ourselves somehow where we shut things out in our life. Now, it could be in your car driving to work. I mean, listen, don't get into some, some idiot telling you you've got to do certain things and go literally crawl in your closet at home. I mean, let's get real here. Most people are not going to do that. I don't know anybody. I've done it before. I personally didn't like it. It was uncomfortable in there, <laughs> you know. So I have my room. Okay, my room may be real close to another person. But they don't want to hear me praying, so they always get up and leave indignantly, like I'm disturbing them, you know. But, but see what I'm saying? This, the key is finding a place. It may be an inward place. It may be in your car on the way to work or on the way home, or it may be on, sitting on a park bench somewhere at lunch or wherever. You had to find this place where you shut out things and get before the Lord. And you had to do that in your life regularly. That's part of what this whole deal is about. And this is what he said, and he said, you'll get a reward from that. In other words, God, here's what the reward is. God is going to begin to reveal things to you, and you can pray those things, and God will answer those prayers for sure, because he'll start revealing stuff to you. And wouldn't you love to get some of your prayers answered? You'd feel like God had rewarded you. And the reason he rewarded you is because you heard something. See, Elijah heard something in the Spirit. He heard rain in the Spirit. He didn't go out there, oh, you know how it smells when it's fixing to rain. Sometimes you can smell the air. He didn't smell the air. He didn't, there was not a cloud in the sky. He saw nothing. But he was hearing something in his spirit. And that's how he was connecting with God to be able to pray what he was hearing in his spirit. And that's really, one of the, that's, that's really amazing when God begins to do that, I think. Um, so then it says... Um, and when you pray, do not use uh, vain repetitions as the heathens do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like, therefore don't be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. And then He says, in this manner, therefore pray. And then He does the, the Lord's Prayer. Um, I don't know if y'all remember. You probably don't. But this is something that's really helped me. I talked about this one time a couple years ago. Is uh, I had this little acronym called ACTS. A-C-T-S. Anybody remember that? About prayer. Acts. A equals adoration. C equals conversation. T equals thanksgiving. And S equals supplication. And here's the reason that's helped me in my life. Is that's what I believe prayer is. It's adoration, conversation, thanksgiving, and supplication. What we're getting here is we're only hearing Elijah's supplication. Okay, we're not hearing Elijah's conversation with God. See, there's a difference. Okay, there's a difference in having a conversation with God when you're talking to God about something and you're asking God about stuff. Do y'all get that? 
And then, and then there's this supplication or this request thing that where you're praying something, and that's what Jesus is talking about. Don't just go through this thing over and over to me. You know, when you begin to get this mind where you're feeling like this is what I need to pray, this is how I need to pray, you pray it and you're done. The conversation behind it is not what he was talking about. He was talking about people just saying, if I pray it enough, it'll happen kind of thing. Are y'all following this? I hope you are. Because it's important. Because there's a difference between having conversation with God and then making your request known to God. And, and, and Elijah was very specific with God of what he was asking him for. That's supplication. Conversation is talking, talking, to God, talking to God through things like you talk to a friend. Like, Lord, I don't really understand why this is happening in my life. Can you help me understand this? Can we talk about this some? See, that's really part of your, your secret place is to have those conversations with God. In fact, you can carry your secret place with you wherever you go because you can have that ongoing conversation with God through your day when you're talking about your life. You're talking about, why, why is not my prayer being answered, Lord? Why aren't you doing this, Lord? You see, that's where God wants to draw us into. That's why the Acts things I think, is really important. He wants to draw us into that kind of relationship with Him. Because a lot of, of what Elijah was walking in is, a, is not only he had a mantle on him, he had a friendship with God. He had a relationship with God. And that's where conversations come in. Friends talk. And what, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants but friends because a servant does not know what his master is doing. But a friend does. Because the master begins to reveal stuff. To friend. That's why I believe conversation is, is if, you, if you don't have conversation in your prayer, you need to be thinking about, am I, do I have a friendship with the Lord? Because Elijah was able to hear things from God because he had a friendship with him. He had a relationship with him. And then, because of that relationship, he had authority to pray what he was hearing back to God. Are y'all following this? And see, that's really what God is looking for. That's part of being, the spirit of Elijah being released. It's a friendship anointing. To have friendship with God. God is looking for people to believe what Jesus said. I think it's John 15, 15. I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Jesus is looking for those people that will believe what he said. That does not eliminate us being servants. Okay? Because being a servant is your assignment. He's given us assignments to do as servants to serve Him. Being a friend is a part of our identity, who God calls us to be and who speaks to us. Your friendship with God will only enhance your serving God. But your serving God will not enhance your friendship with God. That's backwards. That's trying to earn something. God has called us friends. He's invited us into that. Which one? What did I say? <laughs> what did I say, Marlon? There you go. And, it's, and so I think that's one of the things that I, through all that time and where I was so messed up, and well, I'm not saying messed up, but when I was struggling in my prayer, that's really where God was trying to bring me. He was trying to bring me into this friendship with Him where he could begin to share his heart with me. God's got stuff on his heart. He really does. He has things he wants to reveal to us. Yeah. And see, that's really, to me, that's the C part of Acts, conversation. Talking to God and asking him, what in the world, Lord, why is this happening? Or I'll tell you what, when I read stuff, political stuff, I'm, I'm, not, I'm saying, Lord, what in the world's going on here? What's, what's the deal? How do, you, how do we pray about this? How do we get after this? Because this don't seem right. You know, this don't seem right. And so I'm looking for answers from heaven to how to pray over things like that. And I'm also looking for them in, in my normal life. But see, you had to shut the door. Shut the door. That's what Jesus said. Shut that stuff out. Shut out what's happening here. And part of your shut now is to be with this person. Which means you shut everybody else out. You shut your spouse out. You shut your kids out. You shut your work out. You shut the news out. You shut, what's, you shut all that out. That's what Jesus said. Shut the door. 
That don't, that's not mean. All those people, your spouse, your kids, your work, your this, your that, the country, your calling, your ministry, all that will be highly served when we begin to shut that out and get with the Lord and begin to develop this friendship, this communication with Him. And where He begins to start revealing His heart to you. And like He did with Elijah. Hey, you hear that, Elijah? hear that rain? Oh, yeah, I do. I hear rain. But it's not raining. Yeah, you need to tell them because it's fixing the rain. But you're going to have to have to bring that because, because I know some people might struggle with the fact that why should we pray for something that God wants to do? Right? Why, why the heck? God's going to do it. I don't need to pray. It's the partnership. It's the relationship. And that's, the, that's one of the ultimate signs of our friendship with God, that we've partnered with Him. If you had a friend that came to you and said, Hey, Byron, you know what? I'm going to do this. I want you to know about like, Oh, yeah, yeah. What do you want me to do to help you? I'll help you. I'll jump in there and help you. He's going to do it anyway. All he's doing is inviting you to come in and help him do something important. Yeah. And so that's really what was happening between Elijah and God. There was this, and remember, James says, you can have a prayer life like Elijah. You can have effective prayer like Elijah. You can have fervent prayer like Elijah. But I think the key is connected in with this friendship with the knowing of the Lord. And I believe this is a very important thing. This is what John the Baptist, who carried the spirit of Elijah on, this is what he said. John three nineteen, I am a friend of the bridegroom. That's what he said. I'm a friend. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing this out of friendship. And so the spirit of Elijah, if you're going to, it's not only about prayer, it's about friendship. It's about cultivating. And I believe, I believe this. I, that's why one of the reasons I believe the spirit of Elijah is so released is there is really a, a pull in the spirit for friendship. I don't know if you're feeling that yet, but you will. You're going to feel this thing in you that draws you to know God as a friend and to have friendship with Him. You'll keep going back to what Jesus said. He, he's called me into friendship. He's invited me into this place. And I want to, I want to find out what that looks like. And my experience with it is it's been, it's been challenging, honestly to learn how to be a friend with God. I'm not even claiming I'm in that friendship. I am in that friendship level in the spirit, but I'm, I don't know that I've really really learned all there is. But I'll tell you one thing that happened to me in my quest for friendship. It has to do with sin. You know how you don't speed because of the blue light? Right? <laughs> That's a good reason don't speed. Like I always tell people, do not speed in Morrisville. If you do, you'll get a ticket. I promise you, if you speed around here, you're getting a ticket. No, you might can go out in the county and kind of, you know, edge it up a little bit if, if you're one of those kind of people now. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying. They're not quite as strict out there. But I did get one time in the middle of nowhere in Montgomery County going down this long hill. I mean, a long hill. I think I was going 70 by the time I got to the bottom, and then I noticed this blue lights. Like, what is a state patrolman doing out here in the middle of nowhere? Well, what I'm saying, this is important. Let me get back to this. Help me, Lord. I did get a ticket that day. That was the day the straight patrolman came up and said, you know how fast you're going? I said, not really. I wasn't looking. He said, you're going 70. That's 15 miles over the speed limit. I'm going to give you a ticket for going 65. And he said, what do you do for a living? I said, you don't want to know. Seriously, he said that. He said, yes, I do want to know. I thought, well, i got to tell him. He said, I said, well, I'm a pastor. <laughs> he said, well, pastors make mistakes too. <laughs> he was, but I'm giving you a ticket. <laughs> I didn't try to like, you know, can you let the pastor off? I didn't try. I thought, I'm called. I deserve it. And, you know. So, anyways, let me get through with this because this is important. All righty. Um, I don't even know where I was going. Oh, about the friendship. There's going to come a point in our hearts, this is really important, where, you know, you don't sin because you know it's not right. You can make your wife mad, right? All those kind of things. What about when we start coming to the point when we don't sin 
because we know it's hurtful to his heart. And it really is important to us not to hurt our friend. Now, that, I'm going to tell you something. That, when you really begin to experience that, that's a whole different realm. That's a whole different realm of not falling in and letting temptation overcome you. When you start thinking about your friend and how your friend's going to feel and how it's going to be wounded. Not it's going to make him mad and he wants going to, you know, he's going to discipline you and do all these bad things to you and stuff is going to bad happen to you from now on for your stupid sins. No, it's like, you know what? None of that. You start feeling this thing. You start being concerned about how he feels. What? That's a whole different motivation. That's a very powerful motivation, by the way. And I believe that's part of friendship. I believe that's a part of a friendship relationship that God wants to bring us all into that's a pretty powerful motivator. So that's, that's a part of Here's the other part, okay? And then I'll finish on this. I mean, I didn't really go nowhere on this much, but there's a lot in that story about Elijah we could talk about. But here's the other part about what Jesus was saying here in John 6. Did you notice what he kept saying about prayer, about who to pray to? Pray to who? The Father. Pray to your Father who is in... So He told us where, to, where we can find the Father. Now, this is interesting. This is like the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and this is how He began to introduce the Father, is in the context of prayer. That this is the place you can find this, this God who really is your Father, and you can begin to know Him as a Father in the context of prayer. I think that's powerful. This, this is a, a crazy statistic. Jesus, in the four Gospels, Jesus mentioned God as Father 165 times. In the entire Old Testament, God was mentioned as Father 15 times. And it was always not in a personal way. It was always in an indirect. Like, He's the Father of Israel. But the person saying that, he was not having any kind of thought about him being his father. And the only time Jesus always spoke of, of the father not as his father was our father. When he was like, here's how y'all pray, our father. He was speaking in plural to everybody. Our being mine and yours. That's a power, big, really big deal. And so this introduction, this is another thing about I really believe about the spirit of Elijah. Because this is how... This is who we pray to. Jesus even said it later. Don't pray to me. I'm not the person to pray to anymore. I'm the person to, to help you, to give you access to the person who wants to answer your prayer, who happens to be your father. It's a powerful revelation. And so I believe the spirit of Elijah really is completely tied into the revelation of the father. And I believe in prayer. In fact, when you really look at Jesus at the end of his life, his, right before he went to the garden, he went to the garden, you know, to, to pray and be arrested in John 18. John 17 is a, this, this uh, prayer that Jesus prayed called the high priestly prayer. It's a famous prayer. You should read it sometimes because there's things he prayed for you and I in it. And I'll tell you one thing. If you want to answer prayer, go start praying that thing. Go start praying some of the stuff he prayed in there. You know, he prays for his 12 that were there, or 11 at that point. Well, there were 12 still. Pray for them. I don't think the 11th one, the 12th one was there, actually. I think he'd already took off. But he prayed for them, and then he goes on. And then he said, I'm praying for them who believe through their testimony, through what they, in other words, us. Yeah. Us. Yeah. But here's something amazing. I caught, caught recently reading that prayer. He called God, he addressed the Father in there also, but this time he added, uh, like, Holy Father, Righteous Father, Holy. And I was thinking, wow, it's the fear of the Lord. It's the fear of the Lord. That's what he was trying to communicate at the end of his ministry that he wants to invite us into this knowing the Father in prayer. And having this revelation of God as our Father and how God the Father wants to answer our prayers and how God the Father wants to reach in and, and communicate and commune with us and, and know Him as a Father. But then Jesus at the end, but He said, I all want to tell you this one other thing that's really going to 
be powerful for you that really will affect your, your life. It's the spirit of fear of the Lord, which is not an ungodly fear that you're afraid. It's that honor and reverence that's due God, where you begin to see God as somebody, your Father, who's amazing, and He deserves all the worship and all the praise and all the glory and the respect that only a Father can. Yes, a father should get respect. It's one of the worst things. I know all the fathers in this room could tell you one of the things that really grinds them is when their children disrespect them. Right, fathers? No father likes that. They do not like their children to disrespect them. Even when they might kind of deserve it and brought it on themselves, but it's still an offense for a father to be disrespected by his children. Because, and that's in the heart of God. And Jesus was towards the end of his life was saying, you know, bring this fear of the Lord, this righteous fear of the Lord into your life. Let that become a part of how you know the Father. That He's not just some good buddy kind of thing. You know, it's, that friendship is not like that. It's, a, it's something to be honored. It's something to be cherished. It's something that you respect and you don't trespass against. And when He tells you secrets, you keep and, and He says, no, this is a secret. You keep it a secret. And when he says, you do this, you take this and do this, you do it out of respect and honor to him. That's, that's, that's what Jesus was talking about. I want to end on this one thing. Are y'all good? Yeah. Happy New Year's, right? Well, that's already over. They say you can't do that in February. I did want to say this about the prayer. I wanted to, because I felt, so, been, have felt I've in some ways started out my Christian life powerful in prayer. And I've kind of, you know, up here, and then I went down the tubes, kind of. And now I feel like God's rebuilding me. But I was thinking about this event in mine and Becky's life when we were first married. Okay, and let me just say this. When me and Becky first got married, we, we were broke as church mice. I mean, we didn't have no money. And I'll, I'll tell you how broke we were. The day we got married, we were leaving to go on our honeymoon, and we went by the Tell my parents goodbye, and the truth is, I wasn't telling them goodbye. I was going by the bar 40 bucks for my daddy because I didn't have one dime in my pocket. That's how broke we were. And so we didn't have nothing. And so we moved into this apartment <laughs> that was fully furnished in Charlotte. It was amazing. I love that green plastic couch with cushions. That It was like office furniture. <laughs> that was a, it was all furnished, but it was all furnished. We didn't have to buy any furniture because we couldn't afford any furniture. Well, we lived there for a year, and we wanted to move closer because I was going, I was working in the day and going to school at night. So we wanted to be closer to the school, you know, because I didn't have no time. So let's get closer to school so I can come home, eat, and walk to school, you know, to save a little bit of time or, or be able to even come home. And so we've got this apartment, but the apartment wasn't, didn't have no furniture in it. And we didn't have any furniture. So we went out, we're going to buy this furniture. We went out and did what most people do when you don't have money to buy something. Oh, we're going to go to the furniture store and buy all this furniture on credit, right? Y'all, tell me y'all ain't done something dumb like that. <laughs> Probably recently. <laughs> Maybe it's not always done, but we didn't have no money to pay for it. So we go look and it was a lot of money and we had this friend of ours who was kind of crazy, radical guy. And we were talking to him like, yeah, we're going to go buy this furniture. And, you know, and we're going to... And he said, nah, man, don't do that. The Lord wants to give you furniture. Remember that? He wants to give you furniture. He wants to give us furniture? God really wants to do that for us? So we decided, well, that really is the mind of the Lord because He doesn't want us going in debt for furniture. So we started praying for furniture. Okay? And the more we prayed, the more we started believing it. You know, we really started believing God is going to give us all the furniture to furnish this. It was a two-bedroom apartment. And we had nothing. God's going to give it all to us. And, uh, it th- you know, and, and we prayed about it for a while, And then we quit praying about it. We just started telling people, God's going to give us furniture. <laughs> we're telling everybody in our church, God's going to give us furniture. And they were happy about it because they were... Like, yeah, don't go in debt. God will do it for you. They were encouraging us. Well, it, it came down, uh, you know, God's going to give us rent. Are you sure, Lord? <laughs> you know how you do. We're sort of like the servant of Elijah's running up there to check. Are you sure God's going to send rain? Because this is clear as a bell, and I'm tired of this. And 
Well, we got a call one day from a, a dear person. Some of y'all know Pam Stevenson. And she said, hey, our, our, I've got, I'm moving to a furnished place, and I've got a whole house full of furniture. And I heard y'all needed furniture. If you want it, you can have it. And so God gave us an entire, furnished our entire apartment with furniture. That's amazing. A king-size water bed. <laughs> that after Rebecca got pregnant, she couldn't even get out of. It had to bounce her out of. I had to bounce. Back in the day, water beds were really popular. Okay? And I was in a bounce around that bed because she was like this big ball. <laughs> but let me tell you what happened. I was thinking about that story. And the same friend who encouraged us initially to believe God worked for the PTL club. You know, Praise the Lord club, which you may not know about it, but it was down in... It's down where Morningstar is now, but it was a big deal. Jim Baker, Jim and Tammy Baker, they became very infamous people, okay? And my friend said, hey, listen, you know, they will let me take one of their trucks and move you so you will not have to rent a truck even. So not only has God given you all the furniture, He's given you a free truck, and I'll help you. Remember that? So he said, I got to work that on that day we're going to move. He said, I got to work. When I get off from work, I'll come with the truck. Well, he comes with a truck. And it's a big truck, big white truck, like a U-Haul truck, big PTL on the side of it. <laughs> so we loaded everything. Everything was cool when we loaded it up. By the time we got to our apartments, which were across the street from UNCC, it was a Saturday night, and that place was pulsing with lively parties all there. And here we go pulling in with the PTL truck. Oh, God. <laughs> it was like... I wanted to crawl under a hole. Like, ah, these people think we're, they, this is going to be terrible. All our neighbors know that we're PTL people, and, and they have a bad reputation. And, and they were all out on their balcony jeering and cheering and saying stuff. And, well, we just had to, you know, unload the furniture and make, they were making comments and, you know, I wasn't very graceful then, I'll be honest with you. I was jeering them back, you know. <laughs> My friend was a lot more. He had a, a much better sense of humor and knew how to take some negative thing and twist it around. And, and that's how we got the front. I just wanted to tell you that part because I thought it was funny. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something. God will do stuff for people. And I realized in my life, my conviction in my life, that there's times when I f- have slipped away from knowing God, a God who will do things for you. Because I've had so many prayers where he didn't over the years. And God began to remind me when I was reading all this. God began to remind me of how he really is. You know? And I, instead of how my experience has made him. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Our experience will make God into something he's not. Our experience will say God doesn't, doesn't hear. You know, because the, my baby died or... or this terrible, my marriage fell apart or, or my ministry went to, but God doesn't answer my prayer. You see what I'm saying? Or I lost my job and where was God at and, and all these things, you know, that's what your experience will teach you. But where God wants to teach us, like, no, I'm a father and I want you to get back. And I didn't know him as father then, really. It, it was faith. It was, it was just, you know, his mercy reaching out to me. Because His mercy reaches out to us when we don't know things that would help us. But He wants to know us as a God who answers prayers. He really does. And He wants to encourage us to get back to believing Him for things. When we feel like He's beginning to speak to something to us, just start believing. And don't let your history of unanswered prayer be the thing that dictates to you what happens today. Sure. Let's, let's all learn from our mistakes. I'm not suggesting that. You know, because I had some other things that I prayed for that absolutely, thank you, God, that you didn't answer that. It would have it destroyed me. It was not the right thing. Right? And we had to trust Him as a father. But I think he would, if we could engage Him as a friend, we can start having these conversations and we can begin to get a sense of of how to pray and what to pray. But I, I think for me, one of the things is, Lord, I just want to get back to a place like I was then where I was willing to believe God yeah. that God was going to give us furniture. Right. 
And that may not be a big deal to you, but for me, if you don't have no money and you don't have no furniture and you have no way of getting any, that's a big deal except for credit that I've been paying on forever, you know, like 10 years on furniture. And it was something ridiculous. That's the way it was going to be, I think, 30 bucks a month or something ridiculous. Let's just stand up and <laughs> mercy, Lord. Yes. God, we love you, Lord. Lord, I just pray... Uh, um, Lord, help us. Help us with prayer. Lord, we need you to help us in this whole realm of prayer. And I just pray that. I pray for that. You know, the friendship thing for people in this room. I pray they get that. Lord, I pray for the impartation of that we learn how to be your friend. Teach us. Yeah. Teach us how to be friends with, with you, Lord. So we can begin to catch what's going on in the spirit, what's on your heart, so we can pray better, we can pray more accurately. And knowing you as a father who's, who abides in a secret place, that that's the first place we get to know you is in a secret place. And then later you reveal yourself in our lives openly. And as, as, a, as a father to be honored and to, a father to be rejoiced in. So remember that. Adoration, that's worship, praise. Conversation, just talking to God about stuff. Tea, thanksgiving, being thankful. Paul says, let your, your request be known to God with thanksgiving. Is to be thankful about what God's already given you, what God's already done in your life. And then the last would be your supplication to specific things that you're asking them for, specific things in your life that you want God to do something about. Amen? Amen. Yeah. I talked to my mom yesterday, and I was sharing with her some outrageous news that Mary and I got. Unbelievable. Really, really shocking. Seriously, like... Sharing with my mom, I'm like, Mom, I'm so surprised. I can't tell you this is shocking. She said, I've been, I'm not surprised. What do you mean you're not surprised? It doesn't make any sense. Well, Ryan, I guess when you pray long enough for something, you just aren't surprised when it happens. You know? So that's really, Lord, surprise us, Lord. Help us to really believe that what we're asking and seeking you for is really going to happen in your way and in your timing. You know, it's cool. Well, we'd like to invite the ministry team to come forward, please. And by invite, I mean ask. Come on up. And if you want to get prayer today, please come forward and do that before you leave. So if something that you want to go after, Byron was talking about today, come get that. We also want to invite you to get prayer for healing, to get prayer for sticky situations that are going on in your life. This prayer team's awesome, and they really want to just pour into you. So for everybody else, you can be released. Bless you. Have a great week. Go to love and serve the world.